0: This week's episode of Studio Inter, will be reviewing the games against Juventus and Sheriff, we'll be previewing the games against Empoli and Udinese, we'll be discussing Inter with Nina this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more everything you want to do Inter on di Rigore per la Juventus. Calcio di rigore, Clamoroso a San Siro. Rigore per la
1: Juventus.
0: Benvenuti, bentornati, to another edition of Studio Inter. Uh, new week. Uh, and it's, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're a bit uh, not as happy as maybe our guest is, um, <laughs> because of what happened yesterday. But um, before we get to that, let me introduce my panelists, starting with the uh, smp own preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nassar. How are you doing, Mo?
2: Yes, uh, hi. Uh, I'm, uh, yes, certainly less, uh, less happy to be here than our guest is, but I'm sure we can uh, work some positivity <laughs> around uh, somehow. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's
0: get into this. Let's do it. And we're also joined by the uh feature writer Jake Smalley who pens a, a weekly column called Five Things We Learned from Inter this week. I've yet to edit and read your, your piece yet because... I'm not there yet. I'm still in the anger part of my of the stages. I'm not ready to to kind of accept and move on. How are you doing? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm feeling better, to be honest. Uh, it was quite cathartic to write that article this morning, to be honest with you. I feel a lot better than what I did last night. Oh, that's cool. I've tried to be quite bal- balanced as well, so you'll enjoy reading that. And please, if anybody who hasn't read it before, please read it. It is very, very good. Yeah, it is. It's good. I actually recommend it. But
0: we're also joined by our good friend from Canada who, when he's not f- taking f- pictures of bears, uh, is 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 works for TSM and he's a former referee, Mr. Michael Gallo. Uh, well,
3: there was a good chance I wasn't going to make it out of Yukon Alive, but I've uh, <laughs> I, I've returned. And uh, I did listen to some of the episodes while I was driving my 14-hour drives through northern British Columbia in Canada. And it uh, looks like I've missed a lot over the last month, but I'm excited to be back. <laughs> And uh, for an exciting episode, I can already foresee it happening.
0: (laughs) For sure. And we are also joined by a very special guest, a very good friend of the show. She's a writer, presenter, and football pundit contributing to BBC Five Live, BBC Sports World, BT Sports, CNN, ESPN, and TRT World. She's also started a new podcast called Serie A Chronicles together with another good friend of ours, uh, Nikki Bandini, who was also on the podcast a few weeks ago. Welcome back, Miss Minarzuki.
4: Hello, thank you for having me. I feel like I'm up against uh, some angry people. (laughs) I feel like I'm up against the bears now. (laughs) And we only drew, it's not like we won. I mean, it's been a crazy
0: week uh, uh, this this past week. Um, I got scolded by Wanda Nara, and I'm going to explain what that was about, because a lot of people have asked. Um, and, and then we had the whole, it, it's only been seven days or barely seven days since we, since we, um, since we recorded a podcast. Um, and, and, and a lot of people have asked me about that one, the thing, it's very simple. We always, uh, in the pod, um, put out, uh, you know, a preview of the pod and we always put it up on our Instagram stories. And we also always tag whoever or whatever the subject matter is. Cause you know, it's not, it's bad to sub or sub post about people. Uh, i wasn't expecting vandita señora nara to to be offended by uh what we what we posted but uh she she saw that she replied six to eight words of spanish which i don't speak but i do understand what puta and hijo and madre put together mean <laughs> When they're when they're built together <laughs> and and she quickly unsent it as well, which is equally as hilarious um, so so that was the end of our little interaction <laughs> and and the, and now and and just to bring it, bring the whole saga full circle twenty eight when we're recording this twenty eight minutes ago, Wanda and Nara, Romeo and Juliet, Ridge and Brooke, whatever romantic. Uh, reference you have, they're back together again, and everything has been resolved. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that. Let's get to the to the actual more football uh, drama. I want to. I want
4: to. Um, I feel like t- I want to message him now just to cause. The- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I mean, Hello. I, honestly, I, how you doing?
4: <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah, imagine <laughs> get a couple of girls together. You know?
0: <laughs> No, but seriously, I think my my theory all along has been that that whole thing was just a PR stunt by the three of them, that they just invented it just to create drama to, you know, to that's that's been my theory, because it would be such a thing that they would be able to like typical of them in a way. And they also got that other girl a lot of attention. Yeah. um as well so for me i i think the whole thing was just a pr stunt um the new york
3: were... post the new york post did an yes. article on it of all <laughs> publications the new york post who 99 percent of the readers don't even know who cardi is did an entire story <laughs> on it like i couldn't believe that
0: it was hilarious i saw that too right let's let's leave the e kardashians uh to 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 their adventures i'm sure we'll have reason to return to that later on um but uh in the future but let's let's talk about um why, why I wanted to bring you on, Mina, know, because I'm, I'm so we have not spoken in, in in such a long time, um, and and you know normally if if even if you've been on the pod just in the beginning of of the season so much has happened, but look Inter won the scudetto since, since last we spoke Inter won the to, Antonio Conte resigned Lukaku was sold Hakimi was sold, but I I have to start there. What do you make of all that? Everything that happened this summer.
4: I mean it must be so depressing to go from you know you're trying to enjoy your the fact that you've just won the Scudetto that you're back that you're not being sort of clusters, as Inter, that you've got a coach there who understands how to win how to bring that mentality back you're thinking to yourself all right we've won the title we can build on this we can do something in Europe we can go forward Lukaku is in love with us he's posting pictures in Milan this is what July time early July late June you know, how happy he is, and then boom, it falls apart, you know. Conte is the first one to walk out, there's all these financial problems, Ashraf Hakimi sold, thinking, okay, that's the sacrifice we need to make, and then Lukaku, and then on top of it, like, replaced by a 35-year-old in jacket, right, you know. I The only thing that I had about this is I didn't know... Like if you had replaced perhaps, uh, you know, the likes of Antonio Conte with Max Allegri or somebody that I thought was of that level, then I don't think it would have been sad. But Simone Inzaghi, as much as I love him and I think he is a very, very talented tactician, um, his coaching overall, emotion wise, mentality wise, substitution wise, there are things to his game that I, I've yet to really feel like he understands what to do. And more importantly, if you don't know that, like Thomas Tuchel, for example, is not somebody who really understands how to bond with his players. He hires people around him that can do the jobs that he can't. And Izagi doesn't yet know how to build those people around him. So on top of losing all of that, you also lost your conditioning coach in Antonio Pintas, who's gone back to Real Madrid. And I think that's huge as well. Because, I mean, they loved him so much, they bore him back, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, so I don't know. But having said all of that, I thought you started the season with a bang. And to be honest, I still think, it, you know, Inter's playing good football. Yeah, there are mistakes being made, but I I got really irritated with the way people are like, oh, well, this makes us nostalgic for Antonio Conte. I'm like, firstly, they've scored more goals. They've conceded less, considering when we're comparing this exactly to the stage last season. And that was Conte's second season in charge of Inter. You know, and this is with Dumfries rather than Ashraf Um, Sheko is firing from all cylinders. Uh, you know, is one year older, one year, you know, smarter on the pitch. He's always been amazing. Will always be amazing. You know, Paris is just playing out of his skin, right? You know, and so I'm hopeful. I still really believe in this side, and so I, I don't know. I'm not down and out, and I feel like Inzaghi can learn because, frankly speaking. I mean, Allegri had a lot to learn after this match as well.
0: Mm, for sure. Um, I'm going to hand you over to Mo uh, uh, because on that positive note, I want to hand you over to Mr. Positivity just to let the let the positive energies flow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mina, always a pleasure to have you on the, the pod. So uh, thank you very much for coming on, especially after uh, a, a difficult game uh, like yesterday's. Uh, I'd like to just ask you uh, as a Juventina, um, you know, much has been made of Inter's uh, difficult summer, so on and so forth, but Juve are, are in, a, uh, in a pretty difficult state themselves. So who do you think uh, of the two sets of supporters having gone through, you know, uh, uh, nine years of uh, winning the league and Inter having finally broken Juventus's uh, hold on the, the, the title? Which set of supporters do you think will be more content uh, come May of 2022 uh, when you look back at the season and how things have panned
1: out?
4: It's very difficult because I just feel like as to who... I don't know if either side is going to win this. That's the issue that I have. Um, But if... If I look at Champions League, I always feel like Juventus do well in that competition, even under Palo, they were doing all right until, you know, at least in the group stage, then the problems start happening. I trust Max Allegri. So even when we were losing one game after another, I'm like, it's fine. <laughs> this will work itself out. I'm sure we'll <laughs> figure it out, you know. And for me, Locatelli coming in was really just like, Okay, so we have a shot at top four, because before that I wasn't entirely sure we had a shot, you know, even with Allegri in charge. Um, He elevates the midfield a little, but he's one man in a a sea of mediocrity. So I do feel like there needs to be more. I don't know what Allegri can get out of our tour. Um, The forward line, it's really sad to do somebody like Ronaldo, obviously so late in the game. Not necessarily because, you know, I wanted him to stick around for 10 years, but because I'd like time to always... Uh, be able to be offered a a, a, a plan B or a plan C. Um, I don't care about squads. I don't care about what looks good on paper. I don't care about the fact that, you know, Kendrava is like the best player for Sampdoria or so-and-so is the best player for Fiorentina, Blaovic. But I care who's the coach in charge. And for me, when I look at who the best tactician is in in Serie A, it's Luciano Spalletti. Who's the best coach in Serie A? It's Max Allegri. you know. And who's the guy that can make the most of a bad situation? Probably Stefano Pioli. So then you look at the squads. For me, that's like the second step. Because Pioli is a guy who can make Brahim Diaz look like nobody misses anyone. Mike Manyan, nobody misses Donnarumma. Brahim Diaz, nobody misses Chananogdu. I mean, it, it's amazing what he can do with scraps. Simone Inzaghi. I'm not sure if he's a nearly man. And that's what I'd love. That's why I'm excited about the season, because I feel like this is a chance for him to really show what he can do. And I do think that he has certain nuances in attacking play that make it so interesting. And he plays good football. And I think Lazio were fun to watch. And I do think he can figure out a defensive scheme. And he's already working on that. So I believe in him. Max just doesn't have any ball players. So and he still irritates me with a 70-20. That's something he always does. He plays one game for 70 minutes and another game for the 20 minutes. Uh, and that, you know, with his substitutions. And sometimes it works, but sometimes it doesn't if their other team, if the opponent has already run out of sight, which happened in the Champions League final against Sedan. Um, so I don't know. It seems like he just never is gonna correct that. It's always gonna drive me insane. But I, this could be Milan's year or mm. it could be uh Napoli's year I mean every year Nima starts off by saying this is Napoli's year okay <laughs> no, like, no,
0: that is so your thing right no listen no no no
4: <laughs> every year every gonna, year I listen to this pod and everyone's going up. yeah I
0: mean it's got to be Napoli right <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring that up no, <laughs> no, no, no. No, listen. No, This is the thing. I think that Napoli on paper, in terms of balance, in terms of balanced squads go, have got, if not the most balanced squad on paper, and certainly amongst the top four, top three. I expected Gattuso after the, you know, when he took over and fixed whatever the mess that Ancelotti left, I expected them to really steady the ship. You've heard me bang on about Spalletti, Spalletti, Spalletti to Napoli because I think the squad is built for him and 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 now you see you are seeing that they started really well but above all it's not just the results it's the football they play i really think there is godgetto Challenger this year this season and i think this is this is a golden chance for napoli because juve aren't going to be this week inter aren't going to be this week aren't going to be this disorientated. Milan aren't going to be this young and, and, and away from it. This is a golden chance for, for them and they have to seize it. So therefore I get annoyed when Spalletti goes into the Europa League and and plays a good, good side. Because I think who cares about the Europa League, the Scudetto, the year after Maradona has won, that's the one you should be going for.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that he, you're right. I think this is the best chance that he's ever going to get. Um, I think they're doing tremendously well. I don't know if I agree that they always play such scintillating football. I honestly wanted to shoot myself in the head that I chose to watch them against Roma when <laughs> there was like Manchester United versus Liverpool and like you know all these things going on. And I'm like, I can't believe I watched this game. This is so dull. Um, I didn't think they were tremendous against us or against Sampdoria. Um, but here's the thing. As long as you win and you get the results, and they are because they've got an unplayable player, in Ossoman. Frickin' Absolutely. hell man. What the hell is that? You know, he's is amazing. That? Yeah.
0: Absolutely amazing. Absolutely
4: That's, amazing. They are like a psychologically fragile side. And I know that it doesn't look at it at the moment. And I was kind of surprised that Fabian Ruiz didn't fall for all of Roma's tactics of trying to get him into a war. But I want to see them lose a game and and see what they do after that. I want them to see what happens during the Africa Cup of Nations because there are moments they can slip up. And they are a team that are so shaky when it comes to these things like losing to Hellas Verona at a time where they could have qualified for the Champions League, you know. Mm. So if they can prove that they're over that and the senior can somehow behave himself when he gets substituted off. (laughs) Because <laughs> uh, he is a very irritating player for me to watch. He's is so talented but so petulant even at the age of thirty. Then I'll believe in them. But I weirdly will always, I believe in older players. So I like an average age of twenty seven, and their average age is quite older. So I hope that that makes a difference for them because it would be nice to see them winning it.
0: Mm, absolutely. I mean, especially in the year one A.D. after Diego, um, I'm going to hand you over to. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hand you over to Mike. Did you have a question for Mina?
3: Well, before I get to my actual question, what would your be reaction if uh, you start seeing some Mauro Icardi rumours to Juve, Mina?
4: I will cry my eyes out. <laughs> I will honestly, like, as in, I might actually just stop su- stop supporting them all. Like, I mean, this is just <laughs> ridiculous. Like, I, I honestly, like, this is... <laughs> all we need is, you know, Paratachis Nedved's antics last season. I was like, this is horrendous stuff. You know, like, the swearing, the that, you know, oh, my God, it was just such bad behavior. And then imagine now you throw that tea cat. One of the reasons I feel so sorry for Spalletti, by the way, is that he had to deal with it with that dressing room and wonder mm-hmm. and everything that happened, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I feel like Beppe Marotta getting rid of all of that and making it like <laughs> a clean slate for Antonio Conte was such a benefit that Spalletti didn't have, you know. So... That's kind of the reason why I wanted to win with Napoli because I was like, if you had to put up with that crap, I mean, I certainly don't want it at U. V. because I'd like to get rid of that from the dressing, not, for, I mean, from senior management. I mean, ideally for me, I wouldn't have Nedved there, you know, uh, I, I just kind of want to go back to like calmness, you know, one nil, just boring, <laughs> disgusting, just mm. you know, it's like home. Like everything that happens in your life can be really like a mess, you know. Like you get broken up with, you like lose a job, you're flying all. But you just know, Juve will win one nil, right? You know, and it'll be dull and it'll be drab. But they're just there for you, like Corto
0: Muzo, Corto Muzo. I know what you mean. I, I, I really wanted Allegri. You know that. I love the guy. Um, I, exactly for that same reason. You know what to expect, and also because I think he's, I think he's shown so far that he is head and shoulders tactically above literally everyone else in this league, Um, the way he prepares for these games and he... You know he trolls Juve fans by starting Bernardeschi as a false nine, and then it ends up that <laughs> Bernardeschi. Nobody but you know, the way he does, and he reads these games, and he does these things, and and all of a sudden Bernadeski as a false nine against Chelsea was like one of the most brilliant tactical moves that right? anyone has ever done, and it's I love that about him, and the fact, and also the fact that with 26% possession, I absolutely love it that he that you after 15, 20 years of this ball possession fetish, the following the Barcelona uh, yeah. era oh it's i just i just love that as a reaction to that corto muzo 26% one shot on goal one goal goodbye like i absolutely love that um and and also i think the job he's done in in i think i think i've i've said this to others as well that i think that this this is what he's building at Juve is is probably going to be i mean i think that antonio conte's masterpiece was inter last season so far in his career that was a well-oiled machine the way that he got you know he, the way he got them playing 4-2-4 from february to may inter was just unstoppable that was that was like his frankenstein monster i see that this could be the most allegri team because he's got such a group of young players that he can mold and get them. And he started with the and Kulusevski and Kiez and they're not really out of the woods just yet. But he's got some really interesting things to work with. And I think if he's allowed to, if they just do as he says and everyone just you know continues the process, I think Juve are going to be so so dangerous. I think they're going to be absolutely lethal. And I think he 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 is the right man for them. And I'm so annoyed that Inter were late on that ball because. God, I would have loved to have Allegri at Inter. I Absolutely, would have loved it. Um, it, it to would be have honest, been... if the
4: guy, the guy saying no to Real Madrid, I feel like he's got like a weird thing with Juve. and I don't know why. You know, I mean, I guess you do know why, but
0: yeah, uh, it's his relationship with Andrea Agnelli. They were like, yeah,
4: and also because Agnelli, like really grovelled, like as in the one thing he said, and he's right about saying that. Like Conte, when he came to Inter, he made his demands, and he got what he wanted. You know. And 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 he was like, you know, these are the players I want. I want the dressing room to be clean. I want everyone to follow me. I need power, and he made that clear. That it <laughs> had to be like soft power, you know. Um, yes. <laughs> a little bit, you know, complain a little. Let's let's make some noise, you know. Like let's kind of look like we intimidate people the way that you they do. And and I just feel like Elie, Allegri, you know, reaches Champions League finals, and then he's like, guys, can I have somebody better than Mario Lamina on the bench? <laughs> no. You know, like we got you Mitwidi, like who's 34, you know, like it just it kind of and and I and I just felt like at the time it was so much power for Paratici and and sort of Marotta, but not enough for the guy that got you there, you know, and and then he all he wanted was midfielders and he was never, ever given what he wanted. And so I feel like nearly really was like, I'm so sorry. And you have Florentino Perez, you know, banging on your day saying, you're the guy I believe in. And he actually said no. Like I find that remarkable that he would choose Juve again after whatever Pialo left, you know. And why didn't we? Why do not we just believe in Igor Tudor? Because what the hell is that guy doing, you know? Like Verona mm. look amazing. Mm.
0: No, I, 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 I think, yeah, I agree with you there. I think, um, I really like what Igor Tudor is doing. I think he's an underrated guy. Uh, I think him and Ivan Juric are building some really interesting careers in the Serbia. Uh, and I think this season is the season where Igor Tudor is actually being given the recognition he deserves. Uh, I'm going to hand you over to Jake for a question. I Jake, I'm still got to ask Mina my oh, question. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yes, he didn't. No,
3: yes. No. Somehow we I went from we went from a and segwayed to like four different things there in like, <laughs> <laughs> in like two minutes. I was just trying to make a joke, and we we kept going. Um, okay. So I asked this to Gab uh, Marcotti last year, and uh, he is not a Handanemich fan. He's a self-proclaimed non-Handanemich fan. I am. I've always been a Handanemich fan all these years. Maybe not so right now as he's gotten older, (laughs) but um, I've always liked him all these years. I mean, he's definitely not as good as he once was, but so be it. Um, So we've looked at some teams across Europe, kind of like you know, Juve did it, where they had kind of like a two-goalie system where uh psg is doing it right now i believe real madrid did it at, at some point as well mm-hmm. and maybe you know it's going to be more of a futuristic teams that that they may do it as well depending on you know how many games you're playing uh, i know as a goalkeeper you're not you know spending that much energy as uh, the outfield players are but you know that rest is definitely good and inter really haven't um used their backup goalkeepers over the years except if they were playing some meaningless game in europa league if i can you know recall correctly so I think, you know, I, I think the last two years I've been kind of waiting, okay, is Inter going to make a move for a new goalkeeper or are they going to sell Hindanovich or are they going to just are going to make a change? And they haven't done that yet. So uh, where do you think they're going to? Make the decision has to be made soon in the next uh, the next year or so. So, what do you think their move is going to make? Do you think it's going they're going to be bringing in a goalkeeper and potentially you know splitting with Handanovic? Are they going to get rid of Handanovic and just bring in a new goalkeeper to potentially just be their starter? Is Radu maybe going to get some some playing time over the next year? Like, I'm just I don't know what their plan is, and I'd like to know what you think about the situation.
4: I like Handanovic. I don't think. Um... I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper because I think that when it comes to it, gets shots stopping. Actually, it was on this podcast that you discussed, Handanovic, but this was quite a while ago because I remember I was only allowed to walk in the park, so it must be during lockdown. <laughs> 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 and um, and you were discussing about the fact that, you know, he positions himself wrong, it, it, you yeah. know, poorly, which is why. So it's not about him losing. You know, obviously when he's younger, he's fast enough and agile yeah. enough to, to make up for that. But yeah. And I thought that that was such great analysis because I really do feel like that is what it is. But what he does do very well is I do think his communication and command of the area is something that I would love Chesney to have. I don't know if you saw that bit yesterday against against Inter um, when Danilo had no idea who was behind him and he was asking Chesney to just speak up, you know, like say something (laughs) like, dude, what do I do? And then he put it out for a corner. Because this is what I mean by having authority, somebody there who tells you what's to do, who raises his voice, who commands the area and knows how to communicate with his defendant—that I do think that he's quite good at. But from what I understand it is you've already got him in the bag. And that's I um, axis on Anna. Right. Um, so I feel like it's not going to be like a seer to Handanovich, but a way of getting somebody already in. And then the matter will be dealt with afterwards just to see how everyone feels about it. But I don't know if I like changing my code my sorry my goalkeeper. I think it leaves people unhappy. It was a very unhappy camp when Real Madrid were doing it. And it was Jose Mourinho that started it with Ica Casillas, um, uh, who felt that he was really mistreated at the time. Uh and obviously, this is something that you have to do at PSG, where there's constant rumors about the fact that Messi is South American. That's why he likes Kane or Navas, who's also <laughs> you know, South American. And they're just stupid headlines, right? And Donnarumma is supposed to be the Champions League guy, but he didn't play in the last Champions League game, so you don't know what's going on. So I think it will be a case of he'll has to understand his position just because he's getting older and he's not necessarily... like The fans love him. Everyone shows respect for him. He's very beloved, right, at, at Inter... Um, but I do think it's a case of we're going to bring in this guy, it's up to you whether you want to stick around, you know? What do you think?
0: I think it's Andre Onana. I, I think it seems that it's a, such a Marotta thing to do. You yeah. got a you, you got a goalkeeper who's on a free transfer and and he'll give you quality and 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 they believe in him and 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 I and I think given the financial situation, it's just one of those things that Marotta and Ausilio like to do. It's like De it's like Chalanoglu, even though Chalanoglu has been has been has been somewhat disappointing uh, so far. But but it's still it's one of those things that they like doing, especially in this in this kind of climate that we're in. Um, I would have hoped that they would have moved for Belotti instead of Joaquin Correa, because Joaquin Correa, I mean, just as a just as a side note, I mean, I, I, I don't see the player there. And, and I don't think Onana is, is that much of a risk, because even if you bring Onana in and he turns out to be a dud, yeah, you can it's still fine. get money. Yeah, it's fine. You can still get money for him. Um, because he's a young goalkeeper, he's an international. He still has you know good reputation. I think it's a, you know it, it's a, I understand that this it makes sense from a business point of view. It's not like you're paying thirty million for for a guy 30, 33 million to Lazio once again for a guy who's never scored double digits or made assists together with goals in double digits ever in his career, and and then you wonder why why and then you're are basically counting on Edin Dzeko to save you every goddamn time at thirty five. It's it's like. Mm, I mean, I I wish they would have gone after someone like Belotti on a free transfer on the issue of free transfers, but they. It seems to me that he's going to Milan, uh, based on which is his club that he's supported as a kid. So I guess that's pretty.
3: Is pretty uh beautiful. is Onana not playing right now? Like he's I. I could no. Have sworn no. He's he's not he's not playing for Ajax right now. He's got some kind of suspension from what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: And he's and they and he won't sign a new contract because basically he wants to leave. But here's the thing, like, he is a very good goalkeeper, but obviously he hasn't played for a while. So I don't know. I'm somebody who believes your goalkeeper should be, like, a superstar. Just because, you know, I I support a team who bought Buffon. And I feel like Donnarumma made that. I I mean, obviously, Mike Mania has been amazing as a replacement. And I wouldn't have thought so, because that's quite a hard role to fill. But he is outspoken. He is very... um, got along with the players very well at Milan but I, I like the goalkeeper to be important and I don't like the fact that right now uh Chesney's sort of like a second thought and we'll deal with this later because your goalkeeper really does do so much he determines how far your center of gravity can be and you can tell who when they trust him um and when they don't and PSG for example they get so nervous when there are crosses coming in when it's Kolo Navas that's when they trust on Aruma more and I don't. I want a goalkeeper that I trust to do everything, like Alisson for Liverpool, you know, like Donnarumma for Italy, that kind of guy.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I haven't seen enough of Aronana to, to really make a judgment. But I do, in this case, I mean, I do trust both Auxilio and Marotta in this instance. So I guess yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Um, Jake, did you have a question for Mina?
1: I do. Uh, there's a hell of a lot to digest there, including the Allegri fan club, which was interesting to hear. Um, also as well, <laughs> I, I, quite, I quite enjoy hearing you talk about Milan and Napoli. You know, there's there's definitely quality in both of those sides. But I want you to make a little bit of a prediction. Who do you think will finish higher this season, Juventus or Inter? Ooh,
4: Ooh. I don't know. Would Vidal come for me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: We'll put it to you, Put it this way. I mean, let's combine that because that was going to be my question. Like, can you give us your top six in the Serie A from
4: one to six? Honestly speaking, I think Juve might finish higher. Um, yeah. I don't know why I I trust them for some reason. Um, because I think Inter have the better squad. Um, <sighs> I, I need a little bit more time. I, I, I can't decide <laughs> because I have to see Napoli lose before I decide what I think of them, you know. And the way that they lose. Does that make yeah. sense?
0: Yeah, it um, makes And how they react to it. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that. Because it is still early days. We're only on match day nine.
4: Well, here's the thing. I also want to see, because the thing is, is what Antonio Conte does when he leaves the side is he leaves you a little bit ima- emotionally frazzled. Um, which is kind of what Jose Mourinho does. So you feel like the world's against you. You feel like you have to prove yourself. You have to work from this place of humility because you have to earn what you have. That's like there's something he really like hones in on. Like you are nothing until you win, you know? And so that's what gets you to work hard. But at the end of it, you end up being so like a little bit overly emotional that you start to actually lose games because of your anger. Mm. And you saw that coming across the game slaps you. And it happened a lot to you being in the first season. Where it would just be a case of like, why are you doing this to us? (laughs) Why do you hate us? You know. Um, But but it's not that. It's just because like, why it was so important for Allegri to come out and say stuff like, it doesn't matter. Like, if you notice, for example, we went into the game against Chelsea without without Dybala and without Morata, and in his press conference he said, it doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. We'll find a way. It's fine. It's really fine. And so he keeps always saying as in will be enough. And that gives you that feeling that you will be. So it's more like you have to cross from Jose Mourinho or from Antonio Conte into this way of like a Carlo Ancelotti Allegri. Where we'll figure it out. Don't worry. I believe in myself. And I don't know how Simone Inzaghi is going to manage this because right now he seems to be falling down the well himself. Um, so it was his you guys look like as in the players sort of lost their mind a little bit against Lazio. But this time he was really upset. And while I agree with him and why he's upset, and I probably would have thrown a chair at somebody, yeah? (laughs) I'm not, obviously I'm not an actual coach and I wouldn't be hired to do that job because I'm way too emotional, so...
0: Um, I just had a vision of you down by the sidelines throwing yeah. throwing shit at the referee.
4: Yeah, I'm like one of those people who like if I had to comment yesterday on United Liverpool, I would be like, sack him. And then, you know, what <laughs> about the consequences later when I got trolled, you know? So <laughs> I I'm quite, you know, like, um, and that's why it's important to have somebody who is a little bit like, no, we've got this, don't worry, we've got this. And I feel like Spelletti's doing that pretty well with Napoli. I just want to make sure that Simone can do it so I think purely I don't know man it's bad performances three bad in a row and they're still winning that makes me believe they can do it but what happens when they start tiring out so top six for me is Roma, Juve, not in order yeah okay so it's between Juve and and Milan to win it then I think Napoli so Napoli would be either in second or third. Yeah. Um it's been, the top three is Juve, Milan, and Napoli. I just don't know the order. Yeah, okay. I do think Inter is the other top four spot. Um and I don't know about Atalanta. They're worrying me. They have one point more this stage of the season than last season, but the the quality of the performances is, is but they do have a lot of injuries, so I don't know. Um Yeah, I.
0: I, It is difficult. It is. I mean, it's. It it is. I mean, I think those six are. I think everyone agrees on those six that you mentioned. I think
4: Fiorentina will knock Atalanta out of it. Ooh. I think Fiorentina will finish top six.
0: Ooh. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, they. Yeah. No, i think lazio are too inconsistent this is a foundation year under sarri for them i, I think they're far too clean. inconsistent you see that they beat inter and roma and then they get hammered by bologna and hellas verona like they, they there's just no consistency uh, at that club um so and right now under, under under sarri and it's going to take time um no i mean speaking of that i mean we we got to talk about that we're going to discuss that uh, a little bit you know uh, at length uh, here as well but i mean just talking about the game, in yesterday, uh, that, that controversial penalty decision. I mean, what's your take on that?
4: I, I got irritated because reading Twitter, because I forgot how many UV fans I follow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's really funny because I also get irritated when people are like, oh, Rubentus. And I'm like, oh, please. Yeah. like, <laughs> and, and I, if you're gonna steal a match. Steal it probably, Get all three points. You know, not like, let's, You know, let, let's be honest. Like that's just shoddy stealing. Uh, but um, I uh, I.
3: That's pretty good. That's pretty good. If you're gonna that's steal awesome. it, steal all three if points. You're I love steal it. it. Yeah, like, <laughs> God damn it.
4: <laughs> like this is, I like, just, I'm sorry. Like I, I'll be honest with you guys. Like, I'm gonna tell you a funny story, and it's probably not. Like, but. My future mother-in-law is uh, somebody who hates the fact that I do TV shows, yeah, because it's just like good girls don't do TV, yeah, because, you know, what if we're doing naughty things to get our positions, and I was like, honey, <laughs> I'm not going to sleep with people for three minutes on CNN, I am going to have like prime time shows, like, you know. <laughs> Oh, my God. I'm gonna die. Like, this kind of stuff just bothers me because I'm like, so basically, you think we're gonna do this for mediocrity? Like I said, if we're gonna cheat, we're gonna go all the way, man. <laughs> we're gonna win. Stuff, you know.
0: Like, oh dear, oh dear, that's
4: brilliant, that's you know, Like different. we'll get a 1-1 against Inter. Like, what shoddy cheating is that? But anyway, <laughs> listen, here's the thing that bothers me. Yeah, like I was watching that game against Lazio, and I. I really wanted Inter to win that game. I don't know why. It's during the game that I decide who I want to win, yeah, based on what's happening. Yeah. And then when and you were so in control, you were so mm-hmm. in control, and it bothered me so much the way that everyone got so angry. And Dumfries, God, he really.
0: Yeah.
4: I feel sorry for you guys. Like honestly, it's maddening the way that he behaves on the pitch sometimes. Um, and he's clumsy, but when he attacks, he can he can be so good. So I don't get it. Um. But yeah, tactical discipline out the window, like mental d- discipline, positional discipline. Like he really doesn't have any of that. But, And I thought, OK, it's fine. This can happen. Against Juve, like you had us. Like make it yeah. two now. Like yeah. why are you falling deeper and deeper? Like when you fall deeper and deeper, and that's what happened because Atalanta was so much better than Manchester United. But as obviously as the second hand uh, as the second you know half pro- progressed it was like they fell deeper and deeper and they just don't have the quality to push forward but you did and so and you knew you knew that Dybala and Federico Keira yeah. were gonna
0: everybody knew everybody knew that they were coming so on
4: prepare get like get yourself yeah. a backup get the two nil. so the fact that that didn't happen is like well what like anything can happen with VAR you've got to like, you've got to watch out for that. I mean, with us, we always wonder whether Chiellini's hand is going to stray somewhere or he's going to just punch someone. <laughs> Somehow we get through it. Maybe we are robbing people. Who knows? Yeah, but what, what, what I can say is that I do... I feel like when you have a chance that's so good to make this 2-0 to, like, really secure the victory, then take it. Otherwise, you can't complain too much. By the letter of the law, this is the penalty. If it was given, and I think it was super harsh, because I cannot... This is nothing but a VAR penalty. There is absolutely no way this penalty would have been given prior to technology. I'm sorry, that, because even the referee saw it. I don't think this is a clear and obvious error. We know it's that this is something that is way too, like, niggly now. But this is not a clear and obvious error. It's not one that you call back on your referee and say, oh, my God, I can't believe you missed this. This was outright, you know, violent mm. behavior. So, yeah, if it happened to me, I'd be devastated. When you see it, you think, I don't see this as being a penalty, but fine, I can understand why it's given. But for me, I would be like, guys, we had this. We totally had them. And so we should have made this 2-0 before DiBala or Chiesa came on and did something. And that was actually a lot of what you guys were tweeting. I read so much yeah. about get the second one before Chiesa comes on and ruins us. you know. And I'm thinking, if you know that Chiesa has that power, then secure it, you know.
0: That's, what do you guys think? I couldn't, I think, I think, um, I mean, I think in terms of the, uh, the the penalty incident, I mean, there's no doubt that it's inside the penalty area, there's no doubt that there's contact, but you can't tell me that that is, I mean, every contact is not a penalty or a foul even, whether or not it's in the middle of the pitch or in the penalty area. I mean, every contact, it's a contact sport, football is yeah. a contact sport, yeah. and and to me that that is not. A, that is not. That that doesn't. We we haven't passed the test of, of 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 being sufficient contact, uh, for that to be. You know. I mean, people compare it to, which I think is so ridiculous, because as Michael tell you, who actually was a referee or is a referee, that they tell you that you've got to look at the whole situation as a whole when applying, you know, when when it, when, it, when applying the rules. They compare it to the Barella penalty last weekend uh, against Lazio, and that's not the same thing because there he's got the ball at his feet, he's going to, he's you know, he's attacking the goal. Here, he's he's standing on one leg, he's got another leg at at, at like waist level. And he gets a tap or a graze under his foot. Like that's I mean, come on. That that's not a foul. That you don't give penalties like that. Especially when Rocky himself the designator, the, the boss of these guys, said after the Hellas Inter game that we don't want to give uh, banal penalties, banali, rigori banali. We don't want to do that. We want to change that. Well, then you can't, you can't turn around and say and, and defend this because it doesn't make any sense. And on the top of that, the VAR discussion is ridiculous because it is not a clear and obvious error because the protocol says it's, it has to be a clear and obvious error where the, where the referee has either missed something. Uh, or 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 you know is completely you know d- d- read the situation wrong, he saw what happened. you see on the replay he's making you know he does a gesture with his hands it's not a penalty, so then how do you use the VAR there like it's 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 it, th- th- that's the inconsistency that's just
4: uh did you also see how uV players didn't even slightly try to get a penalty? no, no. <laughs> no. nothing but nobody complained. complained. nobody complained. Nobody, Nobody complained. complained. Nobody just, put their hand up. There wasn't yeah. this whole anger, you know. You know when, when you they think that they've been hard done by like it was against Porto last season when they were like losing their minds. And you could see on this occasion, they were a little bit like, Oh cool. <laughs> like, you know,
3: like, I'm convinced if if Barella if didn't go down injured like a minute later and this the play continued for like three minutes, I think they would just forgot about it and the play would have just been, you know, no one would have cared, honestly. That's that's kinda like because no one went up to to the ref and said anything. No one to Mariani and said anything. I think it was just the player who went down and that was it.
4: Did you guys read any of the papers this morning about what was said about the whole thing?
3: I I, it was such a weird
0: read because it was so conflicted and and I felt that none of them really none of them explained properly the the actual how the law is, and that's why I was like I was waiting for Luca Marelli to talk. I saw a couple of his interviews and I thought he explained it brilliantly. I mean, he said, first of all, the VAR protocols, it's, it's not, it's, it's not in the VAR is not Moviola. The VAR is to, is is for clear and obvious errors. That, that's what we've been told. And that's, that's the rules as it is. Um, and, and he was even talking about on Tutto Convocati that I'm not even sure that that contact warrants a penalty or even a free kick in the middle of the pitch, to be honest. And. I, I feel I, I couldn't agree with him more there because I think that it, as you... I mean, one of the criticisms against VAR, which I think is really valid, and I'm pro-VAR, that is that everything looks so much worse in slow motion. It really does. But here in this slow motion, you see that the, the touch is there, but it's hardly a foul. I mean, he... It, I don't know. It's, it, to me, it's just so frustrating. But I, but again, I don't, I don't think this negates what you said. And I absolutely hold Simone Inzaghi accountable. I thought... 55th minute you're parking the bus what are you doing like why there was an, I understand the 75th 80th minute but from the 55th minute uh, it makes no sense and you give he gave the initiative completely to but all of that is true i think so so it's it's you know but, but i don't think that these things are necessarily connected in that sense uh, for me it's like the referees should not get involved they should just make sure that the rules are applied and they shouldn't they shouldn't invent stuff and they shouldn't Create stuff And, and reinterpret rules f- Specifically for I, I, It's just It, it frustrates me and, and Guida And then obviously Simone Inzaghi Lost his Lost the plot um, Completely um, he, I, I haven't seen An Inter coach Get that angry Like he looked Conte angry Like he was foaming At the mouth Like a rabid dog Like I It was I He, he deserved That red guard For sure um, <laughs> He doesn't
4: do it. He looks like the kind of guy that like takes his girlfriend to the beach and gazes lovingly into (laughs) her eyes. Like I always find it really weird when he gets angry because I'm just like, oh, but you look so sweet, you
0: know. He does, but he looked—he was foaming at the mouth. I mean, I saw an image when he threw that bib onto the floor. (laughs) I mean, he didn't throw a chair; it was just a bib. But still, he looked angry, and and it's like, well, you know, you you can't complain that you that your players lose their heads when you you know, it's different with, with Antonio Conte because everybody was afraid of him. So so they just did, nobody was afraid, to, you know, everybody just did what he said. And, you know, because he was the one who shouted and screamed at everything and everyone for 90 minutes. But with with Simone Inzaghi, he's a different kind of character and therefore you can't lose it like that, um, I, I think. But I mean, I, I understand it that he did. Uh, I think everyone uh, does because it was such a, and it was just, it just kind of, I was frustrated because I felt that, again, here we go again with this. Because, you know, I mean, yesterday was super Sunday, really super Sunday all over Europe. You had this uh, classic game in Russia. You had El Clasico in Spain. You had Man United-Liverpool. And you had this game in Italy. And all of those other games were rather entertaining. And the talking points are about actual events on the you know but the the players did and here again in italy we once again are talking about the referees and that's just it's draining that's my that's my only thing it's draining
4: what bothered me a little bit is like i'm happy to be like okay if that was if that happened to me i'd be a little bit pissed off you know actually i'm going to be very pissed off um i don't seem to care as much when you they lose as other people do so i'm i'm fine with maybe seeing that happen to my team but I, I kind of got irritated this morning when I was like, say, and when it said something along the lines of, does anyone remember that ridiculous quadrado penalty from the last match? And I was like, hey, uh, hold on, Lukaku also had a ridiculous penalty. Um, and, and, and sort of the fallout from that. And, and you have to remember, Benton was sent off on the 55th minute. And somehow we still look like we robbed that game. So we had a man down. Both of us got offered like ridiculous penalties, don't get me wrong, but I'm not entirely sure that it can always be the same old you when I'm not. I mean, we were, we're down a man, we were down a man. Right. So and, and so this kind of thing is for me, it worries me because I don't want us to continue like discussing this as in like in Serie I want that to move away because I don't think Serie can ever grow when people continue to think that of them, you know.
3: Mm. And I know that. Unfortunately, exactly.
4: It is that kind of scenario and there are moments, but it's a little bit like that armpit for Liverpool, you know, in the Premier League last year where everyone was like, this is ridiculous. Like that was such a clear goal, you know, um, <laughs> know but this is VAR and this is why for me, I'd rather like, you know, I, I'd rather we get Serie a on on the same wavelength as what's happening um in, in right now in the Premier League which is a case of you know properly just leaving it to the referee only if it genuinely is something that he needs to be called up upon so for me this one wouldn't be it for me this is the one nil victory to Inter and, and you kind of just imagine that you all figure it out it's fine you know I, I'm almost like it's better to just give it against Juve than right now to give it to them because sometimes it just gets a little bit maddening about what happens But I wanted to ask you guys about something that Beppe Vergomi said this morning, which is with Lukaku on that pitch, it would be 3-0. And I wanted to see, like, firstly, I read that and thought, how disrespectful to Dzeko, who is, like, breaking records. And two, Lukaku has never scored against Juve in open play. And three, is that true, actually? I don't know.
0: I don't think... I think if Christian Eriksen was on that pitch, Inter would have won much more comfortably. They would have created much more because I think Inter's problem is the balance in midfield and that they don't control the midfield and they haven't, except for the one game against Genoa. And if we take away the fact that Genoa aren't very good, it's because Hakan Chalanoglu was allowed to in- interchange positions with Stefano Sensi, who was in that number 10 role, and he mm. was allowed to come into that role and Stefano Sensi, who is a is a Brilliant player in terms of controlling and dictating the tempo of the midfield. Um, they play 3-5-1-1. One, one, and Simone Inzaghi will have to, to use, you know, Marco Gab Marcotti and I were debating this on Twitter. As Gab said, for for for, for Inter to, to fit Chalanoglu in his best position, Inzaghi would have to blow up that team to suit it around Chalanoglu. Yeah. And I don't think he's prepared to do that. And I don't think he should. No. But then again. So, because if he does, he'll have to play. He'll have to bench two out of Corea, Jeco, and Lautaro, and that's just not sustainable. So, you know, it's it, it's it's a weird, it, it's 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 a problem that they should have. You know, Simone should know better than to expect Hakel Chalanoglu to be a Metzala or his or his uh, Luis Alberto. When he said he wanted him to be his Luis Alberto, I thought he meant as a number ten, not as a Me too.
4: Me too. I was shocked uh, uh, that he decided to play him in that role.
0: Yeah, and and that's what I think the problem is.
4: If you had Stefano Sensi, it would mm. be over. Yeah, because I
0: agree. For me,
4: I feel like that guy is touched by God, but it's just the injuries. I mean, I yeah, love. Yeah, but he's
0: also made of glass. So
4: I mean. Yeah, this is the thing. It's just it's one thing after another, and I don't know if he's ever gonna recover. You know.
0: Mm. No, I'm, I'm starting to feel that way as well. I mean, speaking of Atalanta that you were saying, I, that's how I feel about Demiral as well. Because as soon as he starts performing well, and he's he, he's doing... You're thinking, okay, this is it. This is his breakthrough. He gets injured. And with Sensi, it's the same thing.
4: I feel. I, I'm just worried that it will go down the Beppe Rossi route, you know, of yeah. like... Yeah. Where it's like a guy with lots of potential, and you never see that potential, because it will just be shrouded in, like, different... But he... More, more than at the time Barella and Zagnolo and Pellegrini and all these like amazing, you know. I would say maybe even more than Kesa, He had this ability in the way that he reads the game that I just, frankly, no one has. And, yeah. and imagine what the Italian national team can be with him there. I think oh. he's better than when he's at his peak. He can be better than anyone just with a little coaching. And this is all done with the little coaching that he had. So. Yeah it It kind of frustrates me because I, I i feel like he's the the that that magician that would just change everything, but
0: I couldn't agree with you more I think him and Vidal are the key forward now for Inter the midfield to regain control. Galliardini is a snoopy band aid on a gunshot wound, and Chalanoglu is is just he he can't play on listening to play three five one one
4: he's too yeah. High maintenance
0: yeah he really is we've used so much of your time Nina. thank you so much for coming on before you go on um you got a serial podcast a new podcast with uh, nikki bandini tell us a little bit about that
4: um oh man i mean there's like a lot going on so i will update you and i'll have you'll have me on but i'm just in the middle of there's another show that should hopefully come out soon oh um so i'll tell you about that but this is me and nikki bandini it's awesome it's actually the old ESPN serial with them, but um, it's just me and her for Serial Chronicles podcast, mm-hmm. and we basically just do a little bit of what we did, which is just discuss what's going on. Uh, we're two really good friends, so I think it was really easy for us to do. And luckily, we got the um, we got a producer who is working with us at the moment. So please listen to the show if you can. Uh, we discuss all the games and. She doesn't support anyone, but everyone knows I'm a UV fan, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't hide it very well. <laughs> no.
0: no, you hide that as well as I do with in my inter, inter-ism, interism. So <laughs> thank you so much, Mina. It's always a pleasure. We, I feel we could talk for hours. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. And make sure to check out Serie Chronicles as well. I, I, I listen to it. I love it. I think you guys do an excellent job. And good luck with the new project and come back soon. Thanks guys, thanks for having me.
4: Good luck. Take
0: care. Ciao. Take, Take care. care. Ciao. Oh. Right. Right, um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the um, Yuva game. I want to hear from you, Mo. Where are you um, on on like because you because you and I last week we were we were we were going to like you you said Inter are going to win and I said there's no way Inter are going to win Inter aren't allowed to win and they're going to get a penalty against them in the 89th minute. I said Skriniar was going to get red carded, but instead it was Simone Inzaghi. So I want I want to hear your thoughts on this.
2: The game went pretty much as we both predicted, but different results, I guess. I, I don't think Inter lost the game. Like, I, I don't think Inter should have lost the game or, or in fact, did lose the game, bar, you know, uh, we've spoken about this penalty too much. But, um, yeah, I think I, it, it is what it is. Look, uh, I'm really torn. I'm really torn between blaming Inzaghi for, uh, for letting go of control of the match, uh, but also if it's a tactic which was going to be effective, it it really ultimately was an effective tactic because the penalty was not a legitimate penalty, then how can you really blame him for for losing unfairly? But at the same time, we know this team had the quality in it not to put itself in this position. Um, But... You know, who knows what might have happened if, if Inter had decided to continue pressing forward and and, and trying to push Juve back. Uh, would they have been caught on the break 1-1 and then Juventus be handed the penalty and then the, the game ending uh, uh, would have then ended in a Juventus uh, victory rather than a, just a draw? I mean, you know, it's all ifs and buts or, or it's all conjecture. All, all I know is... I think they're two separate things. I think the fact that Inzaghi decided to stop pressing Juventus and sit back and defend further behind might not have been the wisest of decisions. But the fact that Inter lost the game was not due to that. Inter lost the game because Juventus were given a penalty that was that should not have been given. So I think... Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, but I think the best thing to do is to move on past this match as soon as possible. We know that after Empoli, we've got a a string of, uh, I think it's Empoli, and then we've got someone else, uh, someone else Udinese at home, and then we've got the derby and uh, Napoli and Sheriff in between, and uh, you know all the all the Champions League matches. So I think it's 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 tricky times. I think really we have to look forward to picking up six points between midweek, on Wednesday, and then on the weekend. And once we take, pick these six points up, everything, all the all this acrimony and, and, and nonsense of the event this game will be behind us. And and, and then really, the team really needs to move forward. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, it's controlled. The problem is controlled. Inter controlled the game in the first half. They did not control the game in the second half. Inzaghi is yet, able, is yet to demonstrate his ability in having his team... You know, play the way they want to play and impose their own style, their own tempo, their own preference on a game for the full 90 minutes. Uh, we have not seen that yet so far, for whatever reason. Maybe it was his intention to hand Juventus the uh, the reins of the match in the in, in the second half, but we didn't see enough on the break either, like a coherent break breakaway strategy or or, or set sort of uh, tactic. To show, or to demonstrate, or to to to, to 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 lead us to believe that this was a, a, a preference of Inzaghi's rather than just a you know poor in-game management. But again, I say I say this. I think the this game is now behind us, and because of the the. the you know, all, all the non-footballing uh, talking points that have come out of it. The best thing for Inter is would be to to put it behind us as soon as possible and, and move on and look forward. You know, it's 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 a very important, very important run of games now.
0: Oh, without a doubt. And I couldn't. I I have really nothing more to add. I think you hit the nail on the head on everything there. Um, and 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 I I mean uh, I I think yeah. I everyone who's listening is probably nodding in agreement. Uh, Mystic Mo uh, is just 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 knocked it out the park. Um, uh, I, I don't know if you, Jake, and you, you Mike, have anything to add, but but I, I I I feel happy with that now because that was I agree with everything you said from from the Inzagi to moving onward to all of that. Mike, you go first, and then Jake, and then let's move on.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be quick. Um, I mean, look, I, I like to obviously focus on a lot of the referee. Situations that we have on this podcast, and yeah, yeah. I mean, uh,
0: I want I I want you to thank you for. I wanted to ask you something about that. Actually, I'm really glad you brought it up. From as far as I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The VAR protocol is supposed to only come in if it's a clear and obvious error, and for that to be a clear and obvious error, it's not just a mistake because people use the like ordinary terms of error as mistake and they think well he made a mistake so it's obviously clear and it's obvious so therefore it's a clear and obvious error that's not really how it works though is it
3: well I think I mean well let's that's I've I've I mean VAR as is, is obviously still pretty new and they all still for I mean when I was reffing I was reffing professional games but I wasn't using VAR so that that process is pretty much only stricken to a select few referees in the world right now so let's break quickly break this down is that we need to identify is A, that the assistant, the video assistant referees who are in the booth, are they looking at the play and making an assumption saying there is a clear and obvious error here, so we need the referee to look at this? Or is the referee making his decision to change it based on a clear and obvious error? So is it coming from the booth or is it coming from the ref here? That's the thing that we need to really establish. Um, Obviously, in this situation, the video assistant referee in the booth decided that this was a potential to be a clear and obvious error but the referee still has that decision to make up his mind now you can see obviously uh the referee he looks at it sees it waves it off so he was very content um you and you'll see a lot of referees do that based on when they see something and they are really sure they'll make that kind of like their motion with their hands to say I've seen this it's okay we're good and that's what happened in the situation. But the video system referee thirty seconds later saying, "Listen, uh, we need you to come look at this." And that's where once once the referee is looking at it, you know there's likely likely going to be a change in what the call is. And they get you know somewhere between seventy five to eighty five percent of these calls, they're usually being changed and the referees being asked to make uh, to have a look at it. Now, uh, in this situation, I mean, I think we're pretty much all in agreement that, A clear and obvious error did not happen here. Um, However, I will say, um, had the referee called a penalty in this situation on the field and potentially VAR asked them to look at it, uh, I don't think they would have changed their mind because there was some type of contact and it was kind of hard to identify if there was an actual foul being, you know, foul actually actually happening in the situation. So I think it was one of those, you know, whatever uh, it should have been, at least whatever was being called on the field should have stood. And I don't think I would have been as pissed off had the referee called the the, the penalty on the field and uh, not being changed afterwards, because I do feel like there was some type of contact there. And, you know, even though it was very minimal, um, that I think that there was potential for it to be there. I don't think it was clear-cut, and I don't think, don't think it was 100% not a penalty or a penalty, but uh, like that's kind of where I, where I stand on this. And I think, look, the bottom line is clear and obvious error. We've been saying this for two years. Clear and obvious error is the problem here. And, yeah. Yeah. and if they're making the change here on a non-clear and obvious error, there's a problem. And we saw in the first year of VAR came into play there was a boatload of these situations and they were getting them wrong a lot and last year it was a little bit better this year it's a little bit better but i think they missed the boat on this one
0: well said uh, jake did you have something you wanted to add before we move on to to future events which uh, are coming soon
1: Mm, well, I think, to be honest with you, as far as refereeing decisions been mentioned, there's nothing more I can really add, to be honest with you. I think we've we've got to sort of move on from that now and look at the side itself and look at the errors that were made in the uh, in the tactical sense. I think you've alluded, it, uh, alluded to it yourself, Nima, about this midfield balance. It's not right at the moment. I think the fact that they sat off a little bit, uh, uh, it's something that I never understand with any sort of management, how you can just sit and try and defend a one-goal lead because, as proven last night, a goal comes out of anywhere. You know, you can see a team dominate for 89 minutes, 1-0 up and concede an own goal or set piece. You know, it, it was naive from Inzaghi. I thought it was sort of pretty negative. And I was watching the game and my dad and I said to him, listen, these last 20 minutes, if they don't score the goal, there's a chance that they might really to regret this. And they did. So I think it's really important that six points out of six are picked up from these next two games. And it won't be a walk in the park. I think Empley might be... A tricky proposition, I think Inter should beat them, but I think it's all about focusing on these next two games, because six points are vital, knowing that it's Milan and Napoli in the next two league games, so that's got to be the focus now, and zarki has got to find a formula for that midfield that gives it some sort of balance, either play it a three-five-one-one and play Charno going behind a striker, or drop him and put Vecino in the team for me.
0: Hmm, hmm. Right. Uh, speaking of that, Inter do play Empoli uh, midweek, and then it's Udinese. And look, there. Let's not beat around the bush. These are games Inter have to win. It's as simple as that. It's six points. It should be without any drama. Um, Udinese is a tricky game, but it's at home, and that should use, that means it's, it's it's should it's relatively easy. It's away where it's difficult. Um, Empoli away without Simone Inzaghi. Look, I, I'm thinking it's got to be six points. Let's not even you know uh, you know that's not let's not even. <laughs> Basically, so um, six points. I think Empoli 2, two 3 0, easy win, and Odinese 2 0, 2 1, something like that. It's time to hold it's time to for for a clean sheet because you can't continue like this. What about you, Mo? Where are you on this? I,
2: I, I raised you, I see your one clean sheet, I raise you two clean sheets. So I think uh, you made it. Yeah, the Uva game was a clean, clean sheet, man. Come on. We already yeah. have the clean sheet. So, yeah, a hat-trick of clean sheets for Handanovic. I think the defense is uh, performing better and better. I think it's uh, six points. I think it's a lot of goals. Uh, let's say five goals in total. So, we'll give uh, two against Udinese and three against Empoli Amp- Amp- away on Wednesday. It's 3 nil On the weekend, it's 2 nil.
3: Nice one. Mike, what about you? I uh, uh, I do I do not see clean sheet uh at Empoli. That's just uh I I do like their attack,
0: well, I like their attack. Yeah. yeah. I, I like their attack Pinamonti, but Pinamonte I love and Cutroni, mid- yeah. Yeah, but above all I like their midfield Ricci, the, little, the the youngster who who has been very interesting and that's something for Inter's to scout and look at. There's there's a player there. Just look I at love him. Watching I'm not saying sign player. him. Yeah, me too. I mean I, I that's why I watch Empoli. It's just because of him. Um, uh, he is. A, I'm not saying they should sign him, but I think they should absolutely observe what's what's going on there because there could be quite a little player there.
3: I think I watched every Empoli game, uh, a few years uh, a few years ago when they had that relegation battle. Yeah, and uh, that was one of the most exciting things. And you know, I've missed them. You know, and then they're back, and they're like this, you know, very attack minded team, and I and I like watching them play. Um, albeit I haven't watched them that much uh, the last month because I've been away, but. Uh, I do enjoy watching them play. I do think they have got a very good attack, and like you mentioned, Richie in the midfield. So I will. Uh, I do think there's going to be a lot of goals in this game. I'll say it's a three-two uh, Inter win. And um, uh, is it me or is it do we play Udinese every year in that stupid freaking early game on the east coast? <laughs> I, I don't know why. Is it is it always? Maybe it is. Maybe it's my my mind is just playing tricks on me because that game I can never usually wake up for and i have to watch it on delay like later in the day and i feel sassuolo. like I ne- sassuolo, sassuolo and, too. Yeah. yeah
0: sassuolo and udinez are the lunchtime kickoffs it's just, yeah. it's, just it's it's the law <laughs> yeah and,
3: and I, I hate those i hate, when i see those games in the schedule i'm like oh i can't stand this because i like them being at nine o'clock on a sunday so like you know i wake up watching them at, at nine and you've got like the entire day to do whatever you need to do uh Six o'clock, you know, seven o'clock is just way too early for me to wake up, especially if I'm like, you know, working on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, I hate those games. Um, but Washington delay, I think that should be more of a comfortable win. I'd uh, say two nothing, but uh, I don't think the Embley game will be as easy as we think. Hmm. Right. Um, what about you, Jake? Uh,
1: I think Embley is a bit of a dirty one. I think Embley will score. I think two one. For into. I think they'll come away with the win. I think it'll be similar to the Sassuolo game. I think they'll, they'll potter around a bit. I think at half-time they might go in level. I think it might need Empoli to do something to wake Inter up. So, and I think Udinese may be a bit more straightforward. It's hard predicting two games in a row when you don't know the outcome of the first one, isn't it? But uh, I think Inter will see Udinese off at a poor team. I think 3-0 against Udinese.
0: Mm, okay. Right, um, let's uh, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of and criticize someone as something heavenly in the world of football, starting with the positivity. This week's Moratti, which will be presented by Michael Gallo. He's, he works a lot, he's intelligent and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person all this qualities. <laughs> uh,
3: so I'd like to bring up a player's name that we really, um, I've kind of uh, feel like he's been lost the last couple of years. Uh, you want to go back, probably, um, I don't know, three, four years ago at Fiorentina, we had a nice trident, a uh, nice little um, attacking force between Federico Chiesa and uh, a gentleman, though I like to bring up Giovanni Simeoni. And uh, I felt like these two players, you know, they're very, very, very young at the time. Both of these players had really bright, uh, incredible futures and we've seen Federico Chiesa go in one direction and and elevate his game and and be part of the, the Italian national team and and you know such probably the most important player for the Italian national team if not one of them but with Simeone we haven't really seen that that same kind of transition and we've seen him go from Fiorentina to Cagliari to now Hellas Verona on loan and i believe he's just been kind of lost and I've Mm -hmm. kind of myself I've kind of forgotten about him since he's left Fiorentina Um, well that wasn't the case this weekend as he destroyed Lazio on him like basically by himself and he scored four goals scoring uh, not only a hat-trick but another one and his second career hat-trick in Serie A both of his hat-tricks were against Saudi teams I believe his other hat-trick he scored was against Napoli Napoli uh, yeah. yeah a long time ago and uh look I don't know what happened here but I really really enjoyed watching him play when he was at Fiorentina and I haven't seen him as much since he went to Cagliari and and now Verona and you know I watched the game uh yesterday and to see him just literally he and his these goals were not just happens he one of the second goal was a banger and watching him it brought a lot of joy to joy to me because I really enjoy watching him play and to see him just destroy Lazio and and they really had no you know, answer to what he was doing on the field. Uh, Hellas are a great team to watch, and I think we mentioned earlier with the coaching on the podcast how they're in a really good spot. Um, I like watching them play, and I think that Simeone, if he can keep this up, this he can kind of rejuvenate his career into you know finding a uh, suitable place and not have to play for a team like Hellas and you know playing for a, a much better side. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's our Moratti of the week. They scored four goals, and hopefully this can continue for him, because I really like him.
0: Mm, no, agreed, agreed, agreed. I uh, I'm a big fan of I'm, I'm a big fan of Cholito. Uh, I'm a big fan of Cholito. I um I've uh, I I wanted I wanted him to one I wanted to I wanted him to one day uh, back when Paletti um, was at Inter I, and there was this nonsense of Icardi leaving. I actually wanted him to replace Icardi because I think he given how hard he works and his movement, I think he would have worked really well. Um, I I think this could be his breakthrough season. Um, I'm with you on that. I'm completely with you on that. Um, I think this could be his really, like, re-breakthrough season because uh, he's playing at a team where they attack a lot and he's given that he's using him the right way. And I, I also like the guy a lot. So, yeah, kudos ch- ch- uh, Cholito. Right, let's move on to something much more negative, this week's uh, Moji, which will be presented by artist formerly, formerly known as Mr. Positivity, Mr. Mohamed Nassar.
2: Yeah, on the, the on the podcast group text, uh, when you guys uh, when you told me, Nima, that I'll be doing the uh, moji of the week, I, I kind of said uh, there should be no problem. We're playing Juventus and the moji will kind of present itself, you know. And uh, lo and behold, you know, cut to uh, a few days later, and, uh, you know, I, do I do I really need to do the emoji? You
3: know, we no, all know what the of the you week. Is,
0: you know? No, you don't need to say anything. We were all there to see it. Um, absolutely. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so
3: yeah, I
0: mean, uh, if anyone
2: really can't uh, figure it out by now, it's that VAR decision, that penalty, that interpretation of VAR, <laughs> the, that farcical call, whatever you know, insert uh, insert blank.
0: So yeah,
2: Whatever. That's my emoji <laughs> of the week.
0: <laughs> well done. Right, let's move on to something much more comical this week's frog, which will be presented by Mr. Jake Small.
2: I'm
1: really sorry to do this. I'm really gonna lower the tone. But uh, I was doing a bit a bit of research uh, last night and I think the weirdest, funniest moment that I've come across this weekend was uh No, Paul's
0: don't say it don't say it. oh my god you said <laughs> it. I you, oh. <laughs> i have been trying to delete that from my like it is the most disgusting thing why like yeah okay yeah yeah go sorry 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 to
1: interrupt you go i'm gonna mute, i'm gonna i'm gonna mute and not listen to this now. Le- leave a call if you wish but uh, i had to mention this because it's just outright bizarre and uh, obviously, Paul Scholes snapped biting his uh, daughter's toenails, which is uh, yeah, normal, isn't it? You know, standard normal behaviour that most fathers do with their daughter's toes. Um, but yeah, one well, of the greatest midfielders arguably in the history of English football has got a uh, issue where likes to bite his daughter's uh, toenails it's on a day that decides to
0: beat. and she's not like people saying da- daughter. It's not like she's seven years old. She's nineteen, isn't she?
1: Yeah, and it doesn't stop here. There's some there's some very weird comments on our Instagram post from him as well. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about
0: it. It's so uh <laughs> it's just yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 gross. It's gross, and 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 it's weird, and it's strange. I just gotta say, uh, as as a as an extra mo, um, moratti of the week, we gotta give it to Patrice Evra for 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 raising awareness around the issue of of because uh, he was he came out with a book where he talked about being sexually sexually abused as a child, and he and he, the reason he spoke about that is because he wanted to remove stigma around uh, the shame that victims of, of sexual abuse feel. And I think that's 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 a really important subject. So a little kudos there to to uh, our good friend uh to, to, to Patrice Evra, who is crazy and funny and 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 this time he 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 really did something good. I think that's important. Anyway, that's all we had time for. i would like to thank Mina Arazuki who is always a pleasure to have on. I'd like to thank you Mo. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Grazie a voi. It was, uh, it was uh, good to work uh, issues out on this podcast, which is now fast becoming <laughs> therapy more than a podcast. <laughs> <Really interesting.
0: laughs> Mr. Michael Gallo.
3: Glad to be back with you guys. It's uh, It's been fun. Uh, I, miss, I miss talking about Inter and I missed, uh, missed hearing all your voices. Glad to be back.
1: Yes, good to have you back. Don't be a stranger. And Mr. Jake Smalley. Thank you. It's nice to be uh, given the last roll as well. So yeah, thank you. Um, I really enjoyed chatting as always, and uh, let's look forward to a really good week coming up, which hopefully should bring six points out of six.
0: Absolutely. Until next week, I'm your host Nima Tavali Rutsay, wishing you to wishing you a good week. Stay healthy. Listen to your authorities. Take care of each other and your loved ones. Six points, and sempre e solo forza.